0: Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at K-I-S-Q-A-L-I and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Star-peans Y'all been asking me, begging me, pressing me. And here I am with the major announcement. Yes, small doses, potent truths for everyday use. My book will be available on Audible. On February 4th, you will be able to get my book written by me and now spoken by me on Audible. So for everybody out there who was like, I don't read books. I just listen to books. I hope that you got the actual book because the visual experience of the book is its own thing. In addition to now getting the audio experience, which will also be its own thing. So make sure to get your download of Small Doses Potent Truths for Everyday Use at Audible on February 4th. And New York City, remember, I will be headlining at Caroline's Comedy Club January 30th, 31st, and February 1st. So make sure you get your tickets at smartfunnyandblack.com because I'm going to be bringing the funny to the East Coast and warming y'all up. Self help from the hip. Small We're talking that shit. Small dose. And keeping it real. Small dose. With me and It's So funky. <laughs> so funky. <laughs> we are back in celebration of our 100th episode. We are now on our 101th episode. Um, still celebrating with you all asking questions that cover the gamut of side effects. So. Last week we had a bunch of questions that I answered as truthfully and honestly as possible, and we got mofolia. Let's get into it. D-M-G. we're serving it. Next question. What celebs have you had experiences with that aren't necessarily as cool or nice as they portray to be? Or what somewhat popular people tried to talk to you and you curved them? <laughs> Shaq sent me a DM once, and he referred to me as baby and I said, my, my name is Amanda. Amanda. And that man exited and erased them DMs so quick. Um So one time I went to this restaurant in Harlem and they had like an upstairs kind of like club vibe, and I was introduced to Denzel, Washington. Now, in the past, When I've met Denzel, he was always, like, really cool and regular. But this time, I was, like—and I was, like, dressed like I'm out. You know what I'm saying? So I look like Florecchio or whatever. And he was sitting there, and the owner of the spot introduced me to him. And I was, like, you know, I don't want to be corny, but would you be willing to take a picture with me? And he said, don't Don't be be corny. corny. No No pictures. pictures. (gasps) yeah so I walked away like head hanging low and I didn't get my picture with Denzel so I don't have a picture with Denzel that night he just wasn't into it and like listen I get it at this point back then I was tight but now I get it I think he could have said it in a different way I'm not gonna I think he could have come in it a different way but Um, I do understand what it's like to be like, yo, I'm out here chilling. Like, you know, like I'm not in picture mode because when people ask me for pictures, when I'm not at an event, I definitely say like, no, you know, I'm just off the clock. And what's dope is that people actually like respect that. And I haven't had anyone be funny style about that. So thank you to all of you who are like understanding when I say that, because I really appreciate it. And I really appreciate that you respect my boundaries as just a person in the world. But Yeah. Denzel Curve my picture, yo. For the hardcore. Next question. Hey Amanda, I was wondering your thoughts about Tom Hanks son speaking patois. Do you think it was disrespectful to the culture or was it okay? I think it was corny as shit, absolutely. 1000% cuz he wasn't even good. Like he wasn't even accurate in how he was speaking. Like there are absolutely people who have spent a lot of time in Jamaica or with Jamaicans and are able to speak the Patois. I mean, that's accurate. There's white Jamaicans. However, However, he is not a white Jamaican. And I guess like he was excited. And so maybe like that's what he does when he's excited. And maybe he fancies himself being himself. But I just wonder like, where did he stumble upon this? Who are the Jamaicans who are telling him? Yeah, you're killing it keep it Ivory. like are there actual Jamaicans that are co-signing this This blood clad farce like what is happening or is he literally just like devouring the Pandora reggae stations and therefore feels like he can speak as such because I think that there's like that's like a very cultural appropriation touch point like you're I think for him, his argument would be like, no, I'm honoring it because I appreciate it. And it's like, but you're not proficient. So it just sounds like you're dabbling. He better have a Jamaican baby. That's the only way that this might get okay. And even that might seem like fetishization. So my answer to your question is (laughs) ras. Next question: what was one of your worst and best DJing experience? Ooh. Oh, the worst one I can tell you immediately. I DJed on New Year's Eve, 2014, in New York, at this party. They hired me to DJ, and it was like at a, um, kind of like a Cipriani's like kind of place, like it's an event space, right? So, I agreed to do this. When I went and did the walkthrough, they showed me the space and showed me where I would be DJing. And I was like, okay, cool. When I got there the night of the event, they had now added a tent on the outside of the event space. Who was now DJing in the tent, y'all? This is New York on New Year's Eve. It is freezing. People had bought tables at the event and were not told that their tables were in the tent. So you had like not just me in a tent, but angry people and disappointed people in the tent. Inside the event space was a stage with a DJ on the stage and people performing and people having the time of their lives. I was in a tent. I was so mad and I was so cold. And like, it was just abysmal. And I just remember being like, and this is the last time I'm doing anything for New Year's. And I haven't spent, I've only spent one New Year since then in America. I went to Grenada every New Year since then. And I only spent New Year's in Gren- in America last year, not this recent one, but the one year before because there was like a like yacht thing going on in Grenada and it was just going to make it like as touristy as anywhere else and then like my homegirl, like her family was coming like no, I like I couldn't get it together with anyone else to go somewhere else and so I went to Orlando and I was going to stay in Orlando and then my homeboy was supposed to be watching my cats. And then I found out that, like, instead of him spending time with them, like we had discussed, he was just coming for 10 minutes and leaving. So Lando, who's a very social cat, had no socialization for seven days. I was so mad that I had a full on, like, anxiety attack. And my mom was like, well, we got to go back. So I ended up spending New Year's in L.A. last year and I went to bed at nine o'clock. And that's how that happened. What was the question again? Oh, my best DJing experience. I can give you three. One, One, any house parties that I've done in my house. Like anytime I get to DJ for like people I know, it's the best. It's super fun. Super great. Super awesome. Two, I used to DJ at this small little restaurant called apartment 78 in, in, uh, I almost said in the Dominican Republic in Washington Heights. Same right. difference. Um, um, And it would be like every Wednesday and we would have that bitch so fucking lit and turned up and it was this little ass spot like it's literally the size of my like my house and we just use and it was dope because my DJ booth was in the mix of the people so like they it was just like they were right there and I could feel their energy and that's what made it so fun and we just had like a fucking blast. And that was like during the era of like when Meek Mill had just came out and during Niggas in Paris. So like there were these huge records that when I dropped them, people would lose their fucking minds. And it was really just a great time. And it allowed me to really build up my DJ skills back up because I hadn't been DJing for years. And I got to DJ every week. So it got me back on my shit. The other one was we, when I DJed in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Because I had never DJ'd to such a massive audience. And we were in this like abandoned parking lot, like with levels. So like each level of the parking lot had like different shit going on. They had like art and you know, Brazil is so massive that like everything is just bigger there. So I performed with a band and then DJ'd this party. And they were just happy for literally like any song I would play. They were like, ah, And I don't even like playing music past 2005 at this point. So, you know, that was really, like, super-duper exciting and fun and dope. I don't get to DJ anymore. I would love to get the opportunity to, like, DJ the after-party for, like, the HBO Emmys or some shit. I mean, Amir DJed it last year, Questlove. So, I mean, why can't I DJ it this year? Actually, you know what I'm doing this year? Actually, I ain't even going to tell y'all. Next question, you represent a woman we don't see on The Real panel. The others talk about their relationship status, and you are super confident in who you are as a whole person without the same relationship status. How will you continue to raise awareness for women like you, whose lives aren't so centered around their relationship status? Well, I think the reality is is that the show is called The Real. So their relationship statuses are real parts of their everyday life. And so that's why they talk about it. And my relationship status as being single is a real part of my everyday life. And so I talk about that. So I think it's really just a matter of just us continuing to be our real selves and honest about how, you know, we relate to certain things based on where we are in our lives. I mean, we've seen Jeannie come on the show as a married woman, go through a divorce, and now she's with Jeezy. So we've seen her in, like, all these different spaces. And, like, we've seen Tam... You know, have a whole baby, like, while being on The Real. So I think it's just a matter of, like, just having more of an open mind to the fact that you're watching women who come on TV every single day, like, in the midst of their life. They're not playing a character. They're They're playing playing themselves. themselves. And if you're playing yourself, you're typically going to talk about things that make you happy. And all these women seem to be in relationships that make them happy. So that's why they talk about it. For me, I'm single. I wouldn't necessarily say I'm happy about it, but I'm comfortable with it. And I will talk about that because that's real to me, and I think that for what it's worth, like everybody should feel comfortable being single if it means not settling for less. Next question did Jesus from Dezzemiro ever apologize to you? I like them, so that made me so mad. No, Jesus has never apologized for me for walking out of Smart Funny and Black when we were doing the show in Brooklyn in two thousand and eighteen. Um, at the Bell House, he was on stage with Joe Budden. I've always been cool with Jesus. I was on their show, Deez Samira. I had a great time. Um, and for the record, I really like didn't start talking about this publicly like right away because I was wanting to give him a chance to re- to <laughs> apologize. But he has never made it his business to apologize. Apparently, I guess he must not think that there was anything wrong with leaving in the middle of a show after getting pissy drunk on stage and getting mad that the audience didn't think he was funny we all have bad days listen I'm a comic we all have bomb days on the stage where we bomb but to stand on that for this long and not feel the need to say like hey that really wasn't like me at my best um And I just want to say, you know, I'm sorry and I hope, you know, we can do that again or whatever. To me, that's just weird because he's absolutely apologized to Envy about like making jokes about his marriage. So, you know, my work is just as important to me as Envy's marriage is to him. And honestly, like, I think it's really tacky. And uh, shout out to Miro, who actually did apologize to me on air when I did these to Miro. He apologized to me because I uncovered like tweets that he had sent me that were like really nasty, troll ass tweets in the past. So, listen, like, we know better, we do better, but these is no better, and for what it's worth, like, he should do better. I never shaded that man. Next question. Do you think it'd be awkward for you to interact with Kim Kardashian or anyone else on The reel that you have needed to chastise publicly on your personal platforms? No. If Jesus came on The Real, I do not think it would be awkward. The reason why it's not awkward for me to talk to any of these people is because I ain't said nothing on them platforms that I wouldn't say to their face. And I didn't say anything that I don't stand on. And I also am someone who is very willing to say if I'm wrong. So, like, if Chrisette Michelle ever came on The reel, I would say to her face, I should not have called you out publicly. I know your phone number, and I should have hit you privately first. But the truth of the matter is, like, sometimes, like, shit like that don't happen. Actually, I should text her ass today. That's what I'm going to do. Um, but for what it's worth, like, if, if, if Kim Kardashian or anybody came on The reel, I'm not a disrespectful person. So that's really what it boils down to. Like, I'm not rude, but I ain't no sucker neither. So if I did say some shit about you, not in front of your face, I'm not going to play like I didn't say the shit when I'm in your face either. We both know what it is. If you want to address it, we'll address it. And if we do address it, we'll address it as adults with actual maturity and professionalism. And if you get out of pocket, well, you know, I'm trans-thug. So... You saw the special. I have no problem with having giving somebody a Columbia curse out. So I've never had that experience with somebody getting out of pocket. But the truth of the matter is, I'm not worried about stuff like that because when it comes down to it, if you're a real one, you're a real one, and I'm on the real. Next question: Are you mixed? For the bazillionth time. Okay, first of all, let me just say what I think about mixed. That question is a very loose question at this point because people have different versions of what that means. For what it's worth, majority of us are quote-unquote mixed with various ethnicities, cultures, etc. So, especially if you're a black person in America there's a very high probability that you've got some level of white in you because these masses was fucking. They were raping and they were pillaging without will. So it is very absolutely possible that you have some massa in you because they were trash ass, disgusting people. That being said, when people ask me if I'm mixed, I consider that to mean, do I have parents that are from different Racial or ethnic groups? No. No. My mama black. My daddy black. My daddy black from America. My mama black from the Caribbean. My mother's mother is black. My mother's father is black. My mother's great grandfather on her mother's side is white. My mother's great grandmother is black. My mother's paternal great grandmother is black. My mother's paternal great grandfather is black. My My father's father's side. My father is black. His mother is black. His father is black. His maternal great-grandmother, and I'm just learning this information, his maternal great-grandmother is black, and his maternal great-grandfather is Cherokee. This is is what I've I've been told, told. if I remember correctly. His paternal great-grandfather is black. His paternal great-grandmother is white. So I have a white great grandmother and I have a white great grandfather. Does that make me mixed? I don't believe so. To some it does. To me, it's about who is your immediate you know X and Y chromosome coming from. And really and truly all of it is bullshit anyway. But that's a whole other episode. Next question. If you could write a letter to your eight-year-old self, what would it say? Don't sweat these niggas and don't read these comments. Shine on these hoes. Signed, Amanda. (laughs) Next question. Rebecca's going to love this. We need to get you a mic, Rebecca, for the 2020. Why? Because you say things like, oh God, and I want them to hear it. You could be like the Robin to my Howard Stern. She's not liking the idea, but I'm gonna press for it. When you use your vibrator and you climb <laughs> How do you avoid a runny mess? Do you do it on your bed, couch, floor, or wherever? Personally, I do it on the floor with towels, but I tend to skeet on the walls sometimes. Well, we have entered the realm of TMI. The fact of the matter is, I can control my skeet. So, for the most part, I am not like a runny comer. (laughs) Rebecca is dying. I'm more of a creamer. Like Lando Lake's. Now, in the event of a skeet-skeet, um, I typically just, you know, it, it begins it ends up being just a boozy situation. Wipe me down. <laughs> but it doesn't happen that often because I know how not to skeet-skeet. Like, if I have to pee, I'm not going to masturbate because I know that if I have to pee, I'm going to skeet-skeet. For some reason, I think it's the full bladder, like presses on it. And so therefore, skeetage can happen. And skeet skeet, by any, anyone who's concerned, who's like confused what we're talking about, is squirting. So, you know, this person sounds like they've got like a jet propulsion, like behind their squirtery, which is very impressive. I do. I am more of a it's more of like a, a releasing of a dam. Versus the opening of a fire hose. Let me just say this. I'm not even sure why that person cares. Uh, But I said I would answer questions. And so I'm sticking to the rules. (laughs) My question is, will you ever have your mom on the show? Well, on the real, no. And on the podcast, no. We actually did an episode with my mother. And I just didn't like how she was answering the questions. I feel like she was really shading me. I feel like she was really on one. And I was like, you know what? This is just not a good representation of you or me or all the above. So the answer is no. Maybe, possibly, perhaps a segment. But like putting my mother on television? You crazy. I can't even get my mother out of comment sections. If I put her on TV, that's just... Asking for Trouble. Next question. Why wasn't Stan Lathan nominated for your HBO special when he was nominated for the Dave Chappelle special? Well, he was on the Emmy ballot for my HBO special. He just didn't get enough votes. So, you know, I'm not Dave Chappelle. (laughs) So, you know, next time. (laughs) of the candidates we currently have available for potus. Who is your favorite candidate and why? I have great respect for your opinion. I genuinely want to know. If I'm being honest, like I'll say Elizabeth Warren, but to be honest, like I don't I don't have a strong why because I haven't really really delved in like that with the candidacy and I will get there and I'm in the process, but I hate it so much. That it like gives me the heebie jeebies. I say Elizabeth Warren only because I feel like she's been consistent and I would like to see a woman in office. Um, and she has good clapbacks, so I appreciate that. But I think like her morals and her ethics seem to be like more consistent than other folks I've seen. And I know there's people who are on the other side of this right now yelling, Bernie, Bernie, and sometimes I'm just not that quite sure about Bernie, like, not to say that. I'm not sure about his ethics or whatever, but sometimes he says things that I'm just like, I don't really understand. <sighs> Elizabeth Warren has never said anything that I've heard. I'm, I'm going to say that one more time. time. Elizabeth Warren has never said anything that I have heard. So I'm not saying she's never said anything questionable because I haven't heard everything she said. But of the things I have heard that she said, none of them have made me like feel like I needed to have a response of correction to. Now, I'm sure this will garner you all sending me a bevy of quotes into my DMs. But at the end of the day, it's like, who do I think can beat this trash dumpster Um, fire? This trash, what do they call it? A dumpster fire? This dumpster fire? Um, I think that if she got the nomination and Bernie supporters didn't decide to say, I'm not going to vote if it's not Bernie, but actually decided to rally behind her, I think she could take it. I think she's a white woman that white women would like more than Hillary Clinton. I think a lot of white women felt like Hillary Clinton was a white man or that she was just somebody they wouldn't like hang out with. Um, But I don't feel like it's the same with Elizabeth Warren. So, yeah. The Last dose. So there it is. The questions. Y'all had so many good questions. I was actually surprised y'all didn't even go even juicier. But it's really just been such an honor to like. Oh my God, I'm like, I have a loss for words. Never really ever happens. To me, it's been such an honor to have had such an effect on so many of you all's lives with this podcast. Like, I feel like the common response I get from y'all about this podcast is you know how it's affected like decision making that you're doing or how it helped you like get out of um a certain emotional space or how it encouraged you and that really just means so much to us because we really do put effort into this and it's not something that we do fly by night and I know there was a lot of people that were like oh shit she's on the real are you going to not do the podcast anymore and it's like absolutely not like I am such a big believer in the fact that like when you get, like, a position in somewhere else, you still need to continue to grow the own seeds that you've been planted. And you may not be able to water them every day in the same way, but you can still give them a little drip drop. So we are still committed to doing this podcast and bringing it to you as consistently as we have been. And, you know, we just hope that if we do have to shift for my sanity, that you guys will be, you know, responsive and will be understanding. But for now, we had to stay, Okay? We're here to stay. We're here to slay. We're here to hit you in the head for these pete twenty twenties, okay? And um, yeah, I yeah yeah. Avenue, a podcast. <clears throat> a podcast network.